If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinz Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tudor Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It's the Custard TV podcast. I'm Luke, runner of the website thecustardtv.com. Matt's here in the northern area. Howdy. I had an email uh, in the week from a pod- podcast company and they said, Hi Luke, we noticed the Custard TV podcast is gaining traction. I don't, is it? I didn't. As far as they're, they're concerned, it is. And they said, everybody who, who listens to podcasts now likes our service. It's called Podscribe. And basically, for some reason, they transcribe the podcast. So you can basically read it from minute to minute. <laughs> which, you know, might be useful for some people. But we have a problem. A rather big problem. The transcriber doesn't understand you. Really? My stuff is all clear, Who's, but then yeah. when, when when you talk, that's when it all falls apart. So I don't expect you to remember what you said at the start of the podcast last week, but it said, Matt says, no TV, bats in a bad way, bubbled up, but back at my mum for a month. Well, I was talking about atmospheres and things, wasn't I? Oh, hang on, let's get down to that. Um, where is it? What did they call them? Atmosphere from Claudia. Claudia, Which is... <laughs> where is this company based, though? I don't know is that. It... I don't. <laughs> but all my the thing is, and all how my are they stuff. I, I would email them back saying, "Where are you from? Is it England? Where is the... England?" The thing is that all my stuff is fine. So I say, "Hi, hello, I'm Luke, a runner of the website thecustardtv.com, where this lives," and then I say. As we're now in officially lockdown two, and they're never as good as the first one, how are you finding it? And you say, no TV, bats in a bad way, bubbled up in a bucket, me mum from mum. what I said to start with, because I remember all my gags, I said lockdown two Electric Avenue. They didn't even get that. <laughs> it sounds like, it's the, you know, it's the automatic <laughs> stuff they use for, like, subtitles. Yeah. I th- I I feel that there's a bit of uh, north south bias here. <laughs> I should get them to describe to transcribe this just to check, shouldn't I? Really? Yeah, uh, I think it's just because everything you say is quite generic, and you haven't got the colour. 
that I provide. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Okay, uh, on the show this week, we look at um, BBC Three's new drama, We Are Who We Are. That's from HBO and um, Call Me By Your Name director, Luca Guardino. Or Guadagnino, is it? Something like that? Guadagnino. Guadagnino. Guadagnino? I don't know. Transcribe that. Transcribe that, Uh, then we've got uh, New Nordic... Yeah, transcribe all of this. New Nordic Noir, The Valhalla Murders. The second episode of Steve McQueen's film anthology on the BBC on Sunday nights, A Small Axe, Lover's Rock. And I've watched three episodes of a show that Matt enjoyed over his summer break, Mrs America on the iPlayer now. So I have a Go. piece on the on the site now. That's thecustertv.com where I say, in my view, the BBC should stop being Netflix. And what I mean by that is they should stop putting all their shows, uh, which have aired, say, on a Tuesday night, in the case of Life by Mark Bartlett recently. Uh, that went all up in its entirety on the iPlayer. Um, and, you know, in the big scheme of things, in the world we're living in, it's not a massive issue. Uh, but my my tiny niggle with it is that not in the case of a show like Life, but in others, it does take away that discussion that can go around a show. Roadkill would be the good example, because I obviously, you know, we didn't watch past the first episode, but that to me seems like a series that would warrant that discussion. You know, it's Mm. like a big Sunday night show, like The Night Manager, if they put all that up on iPlayer to begin with. You know, anything sort of your big headline programs. Mm. I think if it's something like a, a, an old-fashioned serial like um, mm. Life is, you know, back in the day, you, you sort of K-Mella programs. I don't think yeah. there would be a particular issue with putting all those up on, but it, it goes, it's a show-by-show basis, really, isn't it? And there's also the argument that they, they do it to so many, and then others, they know the importance of the communal viewing, so they'd have never done it to Bodyguard. They will never do it with Peaky Blinders, or line of duty uh, because they know those are not only big ratings winners but they're big discussions on social media so when they do do it it kind of says to me look we don't have a lot of faith that you're going to come back every week so we'll stick that all up on the iPlayer but then the other argument is that the iPlayer is where the youngs are supposed to gravitating to and the older generation that's used to watching stuff on BBC are probably happy to watch life so why put all of life up there for someone like my sister to watch she's not gonna gravitate to iplayer for it so i just think they need to remember what their usp is and also remember that netflix don't have a ton of hits themselves and just because you throw something at people doesn't mean they're automatically going to gravitate to it and it does take away from the scheduled 9 p.m and i do think i've been thinking about this more and more and i do think that in, you know, maybe even 30 years, the BBC, if they're not careful, they're going to be obsolete. Because there's a huge demographic of people that haven't grown up with the TV on at a certain time and they don't see why they should have to wait till 9 o'clock. So they really need to work harder 
to convince that audience that their think their things are worth watching. It seems an odd decision to make that if you are showing it on the TV, why you would put it all up there? And I think the thing is, the the, the Netflix model, I suppose, it's not just because of the accessibility; it's more because people are interested in the programs. And mm, as you say, mm. there are a lot of programs that don't, especially now that don't do particularly well on on netflix and i think it almost feels like a, a lesser show if it is all available straight away you yeah, know it's like that, it's disposable in a way yeah and, and it's all you're all done whereas you know you want these shows which are going to be consistently talked about and i know uh, someone mentioned on your article that the nest was one Mm, Sarah said that. Yeah, I think I think it's the genre of the show. If it is one of those thrillers that has the um, the cliffhangers, then it is more likely to be talked about. Whereas something like Life, uh, you know, is is something that could all go up straight away. But then, as you say, at the same time, it's not appealing to the people who. You know, the younger audience. Then I I think there is this thing that the younger audience are only attracted to something like Normal People or I May Destroy You, whereas you know the the level of young people watching Strictly, for example, or you know like some sitcoms. You know, I think it's thinking that young people will only watch Mm. a certain thing is their their life on TV, which isn't the case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also mentioned. In that piece, there's another article where Michaela Cole said specifically, I don't want this, I may destroy you. I don't want this show to be all available. I want it to be drip-fed. I want it to be talked about and thought about. And part. Sorry, and Michaela, I, I watched your one go. <laughs> well, you, you see, I don't have a problem with the iPlayer being in, like an archi- yeah. I, uh, archive afterwards. I quite like the idea of, yeah. oh, you missed something, it's there for a year. You can watch it. I mean, I, I this year, I this week watched um, all of DNA, which is an absolute masterpiece, and I'm so glad I went back to it. It's, a, it's brilliant. That's the Danish thing. Now, in the old days, I wouldn't have been able to do that. So the iPlayer serves a purpose, but I just think, a, they don't shout about it when things go on iPlayer. They just land. What Netflix does is, is they use the algorithms and they target you and point you to the things they think you'll like. But often things will just go up on the airplane, and the BBC won't tell you all of road co- no. all of road kills there, so you uh, won't even go and look. No, and and for example as well, like something like Amazon Prime do drip feed their shows, don't they? I think like mm. the boys, you know, it's a new episode up every Friday or whatever it is, and there's a, there's a, sh- a few shows they do that with. So even some of the the streaming platforms now do follow the weekly model that's there if you want to read agree or disagree i'd be interested in your thoughts because i uh, saw some people website. on twitter disagreeing with you without actually reading the article and actually agreeing with the points that yes you'd that happened a fair few times <laughs> yeah uh, but it's all there now on the website if you want to take a look um that's just my my feelings and maybe maybe i'm an old fuddy-duddy and i know that just because something's there doesn't mean you have to watch it all in one go you can still watch it at your own pace but I just think it it sort of takes away from the, you know, if all a line like I say in the piece, if all a line of duty was there, I would be tempted to whiz right through it because I love the show and it's full of excitement. And but the BBC wouldn't use the iPlayer for that because they know the importance of the show. Anyway, saying that, let's talk about a show that's going to be all on the iPlayer. 
Under the and BBC. we'll prove that you're a, and we'll also prove that you are an old fuddy duddy. Yes, it will definitely. It's all on the iPlayer, but this is because it is already aired on HBO. There's a bit of an anomaly here, which is a harder what? word to say for me than I realise. <laughs> There's a bit of a anomaly here because this is an HBO show, and Sky have like a golden hand, hand golden handcuff thing with them. Everything on HBO goes to Sky. It's a golden handshake or a golden shower with. With HBO, so that everything from HBO goes to Sky without question. And somehow, the BBC have procured this brand new drama from the director of uh, Call Me By Your Name. Um, Matt, I'll let you set this one up and I'll do the next one. I feel like we are going to be disagreeing on this one as well. So, Uh, Co-created by um, Luca Guadagnino who directed uh, Call Me By Your Name. And this is uh, very similar as it's set um, in Italy, follows well, two young people in this case. The story here is seen through the eyes of two uh, 14-year-olds. The first episode centres around uh, Jack Dylan Grazer's Fraser Wilson, who uh, moves uh, with his two mums uh, from a military base in New York to a, a military base in Shiogia in Italy. Um, mm-hmm. Both of his mothers are in the military. Uh, one is uh, Sarah Wilson, who's played by Chloe Savigny. She is a colonel who's going to become the new uh, commander on the base. Um his other mother is Maggie, played by Alice Braga, who is a major, so she's of a lesser rank. The first episode is mainly Fraser getting to use with his surroundings, being sort of intrigued by the other young people on the base. We we believe he is also in a homosexual relationship with someone back in New York. Um, he is intrigued by his neighbour, uh, Caitlin, uh, who is the daughter of another... I, I don't understand the ranks in the American military. I don't know why, Matt. We've been through another, this time another, and time again. Another senior uh, army yeah. bod, let's just say. And the first episode ends really with him following Caitlin and learning that she's sort of got a double identity. She's struggling with her gender and she likes to be known by the name Harper, which is odd because we had a Harper last week yeah, in history. Yeah, we never had a Harper in a drama then two come along at the same time. So then the second episode, you see the events of the first episode, but this time through the eyes of Caitlin slash Harper and her struggles. You know, you learn about her brother wanting almost to convert to being Islamic and sort of her feelings about, you know... Discover, this is Daniela. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. I just want to thank you for making me feel so special. I earned cash back on debit for my dinner party groceries. That's great. But with Discover Cashback Debit, we give everyone cash back on everyday purchases. Anything else I can help you with? Do you like asparagus and mushroom sorbet? I've got leftovers. Introducing Discover Cashback Debit, a checking account with cash back. It pays to Discover. Eligibility in terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC where she is in the world, her sexuality, things like that. And those are the main themes, I think. You know, this malaise of youth, sexuality, gender identity, what it means to be, like, a military child as well and have... There's the scene where um, Fraser goes round the supermarket with um, the character played by Martin Scorsese's daughter, uh, Brittany, who says, you know, supermarkets on military bases are the same anywhere you go in the world and again that's all about that sort of uh, 
you know, the, the theme of identity runs quite strongly throughout <laughs> certainly these first two episodes that we watched. Uh, Luke yeah. will now demonstrate why he's an old fuddy-duddy. Well, can we have a disagreement without you telling me I'm wrong? I'd appreciate that. I didn't say you were wrong. I just said you were an old man. (laughs) Okay. I didn't like this, and I'll tell you for why. I think when a lot of filmmakers get get given the opportunity to make a TV show, they see it as just a long film. Too meandering, too slow. I thought particularly Frasier was the most insufferable lead character I've ever had the misfortune to spend any time with. He doesn't have a lot of dialogue in this first episode. As you say, he's just walking through this military base trying to get the lay of the land and listening to his iPod. And But there's a sequence in the middle where, somewhat out of nowhere, he slaps his mother, Chloe Sauvigny, really sort of aggressively. And, and you just think, this is a colonel in the, in the army. She's not going to take that. And they have a really bizarre relationship and... While some may find that interesting, I just found it really off-putting, and I just found him insufferable. He was just a little brat that I didn't want to spend any time with. I did find it very interesting that I'd never seen anything set on a military base. I liked the fact that all these American kids had a grasp of Italian, and I liked the setting. But these two leads are just not interesting people for me. I found it so dull and so boring. The point of a first episode is to get me to care and get me to want to continue, and this just didn't for me. And I appreciate Call Me By Your Name from all I've heard about it, I've not seen it. It does a very similar thing where it's, it's all about atmosphere and then it builds to this crescendo, but I don't see this building. I just think it's all about let's bask in these beautiful uh, shots of Italy, and it is... But it's not, in my eyes, it's not a TV show. It's a drawn-out, long film with characters I don't want to spend any time with. It was an introduction, the first episode. Yeah, but I don't need a two-hour setup. I don't, yeah, but I just you're don't. introducing each, you know, so the two main characters, they spent an hour introducing. And TV shows have done that in the past, where they have spent an hour introducing characters. You know, Skins did it. And I and I disagree entirely with saying that this is an eight-hour film. These felt very episodic, you know. No, no. And I think you've got a real sort of thing about film directors coming to TV, and that. And again, like you know, for example, *Peaky Blinders*. That was a film director coming to TV. That wasn't a chop. You know, you really enjoy that. That's not a chopped-up film. That is very much a generalisation that you're making. And I think, for example, the first episode, you know, him coming to the military base, that was the introduction. It ended with his, you know, with him discovering about uh, Caitlin's double identity. That was an end. And we got him struggling to fit in in this new base. And that was the middle. It was very episodic. And I don't know why, why you didn't no. find it was. Even if it was not, as I see it, a chopped up film, these people were obnoxious. Well, particularly Frasier was obnoxious. And I have to finish finish an episode going, I I care about the journey. I'm interested in them. I don't necessarily have to like them. The people on Succession, for example, are properly awful people that you would hate to be stuck in a room with. But there's something intriguing about them and funny about them. And you sort of find them endearing even though you know how awful I, they and are I, here. I, I just wanted to yeah, I would it. agree with I would agree with you about Fraser. You know, he is a br- he is a bit of a brat, but I think 
it's the reason why he's like that. You know, the, that is his outward presentation. And he is almost someone who's got that self-loathing about him. And I, I sort of got that, you know, and you did see some level of his insecurities there as well, you know, when he was on his own. And I do get, you know, the meandering nature of it to an extent where you're following these characters around. But I was intrigued by them and their story and you know, as you say, that this odd relationship between Fraser and Sarah and the struggles that, that Caitlin's having. Do you, see, I'm surprised you didn't like Caitlin. What were your issues there with her? Because no, just... I get why you didn't like... I, I do get why you didn't like Fraser, but I don't think he's a character that you're initially, you know, meant no. to particularly like. You're meant to be sort of intrigued by his story and his background and who is it he's talking to on the phone at home. What is he going to do now he's found out, you know, about this double identity of Caitlin and Harper. I thought you would like, you know, and, and these are both quite, you know, young actors. I know Jack Dylan Grazer um, has been in, in films before. I don't think Jordan Christine no, Seymour. No, it's her first, it's her is, first it's her, And they are only, you know, they're both only 17. And so they've got sort of age-appropriate actors playing these characters, which I appreciate. And I, and I was more drawn into that second episode. And I think now we've sort of got to the point where we sort of know where we are. And it may have taken a little bit longer, but that didn't bother me. You know, I felt like I was there with them because of the way it was shot, because of the way it was sort of, you know, you, you got swept along by these sequences where you were just listening to music and watching the world from the character's eyes. And I think that's where you get to know the characters through watching the world through their eyes. I think you may have felt a little bit more alienated from it, perhaps, than I did. But I sort of got swept up in this world and swept up certainly with these two characters. If if you if if it's one where you can bathe yourself in the warm Italian sunshine and the atmosphere, and you don't worry about nothing particularly going on, then I think you can get, as you said, swept up in the atmosphere. I didn't like them, and I didn't care about them. Why, why didn't you like Caitlin, though? You haven't explained that to me. Well, you said you didn't I just, like that. Because, because the problem is most of the characters, particularly in the second episode, they don't really say much. So you have to go off, you know, the little that they do say. If you're just looking for the dialogue to guide you, then you are going to, you know, not all... Programs and not all it characters. Spends a lot, it spends a lot of time just showing you the beautiful scenery and showing you but, looks on people's faces. And... Yeah, but that should get you, you know, the looks on people's faces should communicate as much about the characters as the dialogue does. Not all, you know, forms of media stories you have, especially like a visual medium like TV. You know, if there is an actor there emoting, even if they're not saying much, they are communicating that character. And I think the actress here did a, a very good job at communicating the character, even if, you know, she didn't say much. But mm. it, I just found it so dull. I liked the, the but, being on this base. Mm. That was a new setting I'd never seen before. I obviously knew people from from abroad work, worked and lived on Navy Army bases. Never seen it, never known what their life is like. So that side was interesting and showed me something I'd never even considered before. But the people within it were so dull. His his mothers were 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 just these odd people that they, he had spats with that you couldn't quite 
get a handle on. I just, it was very, very long. You've become the grumpy old man of this podcast, I think, in the last two weeks. I had to be one of it. You know, I, I don't really know because you used to like programs that were slow and, you know, made you work for things. And both The Queen's Gambit and We Are Who We Are both have those elements to them and you know for me i i do get your criticisms about fraser but that is the character at the end of the day and i i i feel that this is something that does make you work for understanding what these people are doing through more of the body language and you know rather than the dialogue but normal people did a similar thing even though you might have liked those characters a little bit more which i do get again though i i completely disagree with you with what you're saying about this being a filmmaker, it's a chopped up film. Both of these had very clear beginnings and ends, you know, and the fact that the the bulk of the episode didn't have any dialogue, that does not mean that it's just because it's a filmmaker. That's the decision that was made. And that, that's how they're communicating how the characters are feeling. We Are Who We Are is now on the iPlayer, if you listen to this on the day the podcast goes out. It's a very good point, and I wasn't going to do this, but let's go on to a small axe, because... These two have a lot and, in common. And Luke, why do you keep calling it a small axe? Oh, I don't know why. Is it just small axe? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Is it just called a small axe? Yes. Why do I keep doing that? I anyway, don't know. A small axe is on... <laughs> <laughs> Steve McQueen, another filmmaker. Uh, this one's called Lover's Rock. It's on Sunday nights on the BBC. Uh, Steve McQueen has done these five anthology series so lovers rock is basically about a london house party yeah. where two young people meet over the course of this house party and that is literally all i can tell you to be fair here i would agree with the with this criticism but this isn't an ep- you know this is not an episodic series these are as you say like a series of small but films i don't want to be too disparaging on yeah. this I watched this, I watched it from beginning to end, I wasn't checking email, I wasn't doing anything, my full attention was on this, and I couldn't tell you a character name, I couldn't tell you what was happening, there were some sequences where there was a DJ playing at this house party, and that the the attendees would get so into the songs, and there was a sequence where they sang uh, Silly Games from Janet Kay over and over again and it's mm-hmm. quite emotive and moving but am i wrong to say nothing happened in this hour and a bit no i completely agree with you here i don't know if this wasn't the point small wax the 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 anthology is all about the experiences of mm-hmm. the west indian community throughout i believe it's the 60s 70s and 80s yes. Yes. and their experiences you know mangrove i believe was based on real events you know was a sort i think of they like all are to a degree drama. this well this one feels like a you know like a love letter to these you know these house parties where people would congregate find love it felt very much like a play almost like a, a sort of a staged poem you know as you say the characters were sort of incidental to the atmosphere here yes uh, it was almost like this is what happened come with us into this world it wasn't really a piece of drama it was i mean i would equate i don't know if you know robert altman the filmmaker he would often do things like this where you would follow say like a group of characters 
but the setting was more important than the, than the characters, than the characters, than the thing. And I think, as you say, there were points that were very moving. I think you got what this world was about, what these people got from it. You know, you met these these two people who fell in love over the course of an evening. You know, there was there was bits. You know, like this girl was possibly going to be raped. There was this bit where. I believe it was a cousin who was a member of the Black Panthers came in to stop being evaded by the police. But these were minor bits of the story. You know, the main thing was, this is what it was like for us. This is what we remember. These seem to be people's experiences of this time. You know, Steve McQueen has directed and co-written this one. I enjoyed the experience, but I I didn't get a lot from it, you know, because it isn't... It isn't a story as per se. It's it's more no. an it's more an experience. It's more, I suppose, a bit like you know, from what I saw of the um, the the twelve hour thing of the third day, it was more like that. You know, where you were just watching these characters almost from a distance, mm. um, and what their experiences were like. And I I did enjoy it as sort of a a time capsule of this of this time it was directed and shot very well you know and you and you did again feel like you were there to an extent but there you know there wasn't a great deal of plot i i, I wouldn't say you were a grumpy old man but i think that was the idea that this wasn't a story with a strong plot and strong characters it was lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. These were our experiences of what it was like to be around at this time if you remember the West Indian community. It, it's like you say, it's an experience rather than a cohesive piece of drama. I, I, I didn't come away from it feeling anything other than that was a house party that I went okay. to and it's finished. But I, 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 at no point was I engaged. At no point was I, um, you know, transfixed by what was going on on the screen. It was, this was perhaps even more slower paced than than who are we are who we are, and. I thought I probably missed something because I was like, something's probably going on beneath the surface here that I'm too thick to pick up up upon because something must be happening. And and when you realise, no, actually this is a, as you say, love letter to a specific time, to a specific experience that people would have had, then that that's fine. But it it wasn't for me. It wasn't an enjoyable hour of of television. Okay. No. Yeah. I did, no, and I, I get that. It. You always look for. I need these. I need to engage with these characters. I need to engage with the plot. And this, what that wasn't the point no. of this. There's not a lot that we've reviewed that you could equate this to. It's not. Well, I just it's said not the even... third day, the autumn version of the third day, which wasn't 
you know that mm. was like a live experience but for me there were parts of the third day that you know the Jude Law sections of the third day where oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. happened for about 20 minutes and uh, yeah. you know uh, it was all in his mind yeah, and we yeah. enjoyed that a lot more than I did um but yeah this I don't think is you know I I think for me you know TV drama should be sort of a smorgasbord and there should it, it, it not all of it should be you know, characters and plot and, and things like that, which you look for in, in everything. Well, the, but yeah, but there wasn't it. You can't even say there was a real story, though. Uh, it was almost as if... You but you it need was a... almost... If I'm going to be engaged for an hour, I'd like a story. Okay. This was, this was almost exactly. like they they put cameras up at a house party and filmed the goings-on. It was a bit like if it was set in 2020, it could all be done with webcams or phone footage and... You just stick your camera there I mean, and show what happens at home. Our story, you know, there was the, you know, the girl who, you know, she had to escape for, I think her name was Martha, you know, she had to escape from her house to go to this party and, and she found love there. You know, there was a story. It was, it was secondary, I suppose, to, you know, the, the atmosphere, but you did have a character to follow throughout, you know, you started with her leaving her house down the drain pipe and you you ended it with her being woken up saying it's time for church now. Um, mm. and, and, and there were very sort of subtle bits about, you know, the men going, picking the hands up of the women to dance, you know, the touches. I, I did like the, the smaller moments here, and it wasn't that there was no plot at all. I think the plot was secondary. I I enjoyed it. It's not something I'm going to particularly remember, but I can understand why it's on. You know, it's an important, it's an important part of culture that, you again, you don't see very often on, on TV. I kept willing for it to reach... A point or a crescendo something to happen something to happen and 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 yeah i might my interest peaked when the girl is saved from what we assume to be a possible rape as you mentioned that was an interesting part but it just as you say it, everything felt inconsequential to this atmosphere to this this constant music this reggae music these times of watching these people being joyous and there's the times of watching these people you know, deep in thought and deep in song, but it wasn't enough really for me. I mean, I won't remember this no. again. I like, yeah, again, I liked it, but I won't remember it. You know, it's it was a, it was an interesting curio. I think I'm glad it, it I'm glad it's there, and I think it will appeal more to other people. But I enjoyed it. But as you say, it's not something that I particularly remember. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com Next up then, we'll have some Nordic Noir. This is um, called The Valhalla Murders. It focuses on the grisly death of a man and a drug addict. Now, to be fair, at the time of his death, he was peeing in a river. And that I would be tempted to kill someone if I saw somebody do that. He is brutally stabbed and... As a bit of a calling card, the killer gouges out their eyes as well. This lands on the desk of Katrine, or Kat, as she, or Katia, as she's known here. She is a no-nonsense cop. I think it's just Katar, K-A-T-A. Yeah. And she is a no-nonsense cop. She believes she's up pr for promotion, which later in the first episode, she loses to another woman who hasn't been there as long. And she feels very let down by that. Uh, she's divorced from her son's father. Her son is a teenager and is a bit of a wayward. 
his father accuses him of taking liquor from the cupboard and things like that. And so there's a bit of a bad teenage son trope and that her, we've not and seen the before. dad has got this new sort of sneering new, partner. Yes. And the police are wary of, of talking too much about this death, especially when a second victim is found, a wealthy banker whose wife is recovering from um, surgery and so is bedbound. She hears a noise in the house. She sends him down to investigate and woe and betide. He ends up uh, murdered as well with the same eye gouging, meaning there is a serial killer. For some reason, the Icelandic police are nervous to make the connection and try and muzzle her and there's an awkward press conference where the journalists know more than they, the police would like them to know as the inclusion then of Qatar gets a, a policeman from Oslo come in. Norwegians are, are coming up there. Yeah. So the, the key thing here is also a sequence that most people, even if you saw it, may have missed, is that when uh, this first victim is on the slab in the autopsy room uh, there's also discussion of a skull that's been found of a young boy from years ago that the police are also working on and in the second episode that Matt didn't get the chance to watch um, we find out that Thor the man who was peeing in the river and first to die and the banker worked at this Valhalla home hence Valhalla murders uh, for young boys and they go and visit there and there's another gruesome murder so it's a it's a serial killer out for revenge presumably it's all going to link back to that skull that they found and it's quite a a to b to c story really it's a very generic normal piece of crime drama so, it doesn't have that thing that I, I admire about foreign dramas where there's loads of extraneous characters that you don't understand how they fit and they all come into play in some clever way towards the middle or the end of the story. This is very much, and I've seen the first double bill, very much police investigating murder at this home. At the end of the day, it is a perfectly acceptable but not overly exciting piece of crime drama that doesn't feel, for me, overly original and, and feels, at this stage, quite predictable. I got to the end of the second one, I didn't feel compelled. I liked her, but not enough. You know, I'd seen variations of that character before and there was nothing in either her work life or personal life that was particularly interesting. The new detective they bring in from Oslo has a sort of Saga Noren trait to him where he's very straight-laced. He's got a background from the town that they're in and has this father in a nursing home but it's for me there was just nothing there to, you, you've said it before there's just nothing there to keep me coming back and i wouldn't say i disliked it i was ambivalent to it i was sort of numb to it it felt very much like something i'd seen before but done not to the same standard and i think you agree well you're oh, right no, <laughs> the only intriguing element of this for me was that this was in trapped as well was almost like the the political political the the politics of it basically <laughs> the political aspect i was i was trying to say a word and then realized it wasn't a word yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I think we both guessed that she wouldn't be getting this promotion because they kept going on about it so much that oh it's got you know 
you know, she's get someone else is going to be promoted, and they mentioned that this woman she'd only recently joined the team and had been put there by I don't know if it was the police chief or someone higher for political reasons, and that's why she got the job. The cutter said that you know she thought it was hers because she'd been there so long, she knew everyone, what have you. I think the reason that they were trying to cover up that this was a serial killing was for similar political reasons and and you know there was that political aspect to traps as well that i liked but you know you're right this isn't anything that we haven't seen before from these scandi dramas you know this is a female police officer she's a divorced single mom whose partner has moved on she's sort of married to a job she's quite forthright but there are those insecurities there as well and obviously from what you're saying to me you've got the very meticulous partner as well but yeah i mean this did feel like very by the numbers scandi noir which some people like on you know on their saturday nights i spoke to paul hirons from the killing times because we both loved dna and i said we've i've watched two of these valor murders what are you thinking and i said well i said what i just said to you it feels very not you know not original paint by numbers and he said like you just said that he likes it for that reason he he likes the um, patterns familiarity yes it doesn't help that I came off DNA which to me was such an original story and so blooming clever I wish more people had watched that and I wish we'd championed it more at the. well I wish I hadn't seen it all but I wish we'd championed you it more you wish you hadn't time. had that cold yes basically is the, well I do <laughs> wish that for many reasons but um, uh, I'm glad what, I, I suppose what I would say is you know that that tradition of having foreign drama in that 9pm slot on BBC4 has been running for so many years now that some people yeah. are just you know that is routine that they will watch whatever is in that and certainly with Paul who sort of runs his website around that yeah. will be watching all of this and will have almost a love of these dramas where you yeah. know some people love Strictly or DIY yeah. SOS and, you know, and I think like there's this, this one just for me didn't have anything in the two hours I spent with it or just under and I thought, yes, I'm I'm hooked to this. But I will say one more time, DNA, if you listen to our review on the podcast a few weeks ago, where we were, I was more enthusiastic than Matt, as is often the case on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but um, like the sound of that, and you've heard me now wittering on about how brilliant I found it, then I'd, I'd urge you yeah, to I'm, prioritise I'm gonna... that. Yeah, I, I'm going to add it to the list. There's been a couple recently okay. that I've enjoyed. All, all of these shows, you know, they're all wildly different. They're all on... Hmm. It's all BBC this week. And clicks on that. God, we're clever and we don't even know it. So this is America. I'll let you handle this one because you have yeah. a more intimate relationship. Yeah, with it. even though I watched it ages and ages ago. You watched it um, in the summer and we're now was... in nearly Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for that. So yeah, Mrs. America it is all about the equal rights amendment really two sides one who are trying you know the the feminist movement who are trying to pass the equal rights amendment uh, are very passionate about it and then on the other side we meet Kate Blanchett's Phyllis Schlafly who is this 
housewife who's got sort of aspirations and feels the Equal Rights Amendment goes against her values as someone who just wants to be a housewife and a mother. It goes throughout the 1970s and and Phyllis's story, That's it's a really hard name to say. It is, and you, only, you manage slaffily, but you're really struggling with Phyllis's... Well, Phyllis's story, when there's a lot of S's, it's like, you know, she sells seashells, and I can't even do that. As Where she does has. she sell them? <laughs> with Phyllis Slaffley. Um, on the beach. You know, she's got a lot of bluster to her. She can argue well against people who do get flustered by her. And each episode introduces us to a member on the, the, the feminist side. So most prominently, you've got Gloria Steinem, played by Rose Byrne, who's, you know, this really well-known female journalist. Uh, Shirley Chisholm, whose story I, I didn't know, but was one no. that I was really fascinated by. Uh, Uzo Duba played her. Tracy Ullman in here as Betty Frieden, who, again, was like this sort of trailblazing female who written this book, The the Feminine Mystique. And each episode is almost one of these women going up against Phyllis in every episode. It wasn't a series that I loved, but I think it was one that I appreciated through the stories, through the performances of this sort of largely female cast and John Slattery as Phyllis's husband. He's who really good. Excellent. Did have a heavy-handed message to it, as in things aren't that much better nowadays. And actually the final episode shows that, you know, Phyllis, Phyllis's last book before she dies. <laughs> she, became, she basically became a novelist after the politicians shunned her for being a right-wing woman. You know, they used her and abused her. Her last book was Trumpeting Trump, uh, to put oh, it really? another way. But really? And, and for me, I think I... Str- and I know you did as well. You struggled and gave up after the first episode. And I almost did as well. But I, I think I went back on the strength of that first episode. You barely saw any of these other figures no. other than Phyllis. And no. actually, as it went on, the, the second episode focused on Gloria Steinem. I think at the end of that episode, where you see her when she was younger getting an abortion and the doctor saying, you know, not to be embarrassed by anything she died. Obviously, you've watched that episode more recently, so mm. you'd be able to remind me what happened. But from there on in, I was really intrigued by this. Yeah, I sort of echo you. You know, I, I yeah. gave up on the first one because um, I think that the show does a lot of assuming that the people who are watching it will know who these people are. And I had never heard of finished roughly i'd heard of gloria steinem because she's just a, a name that you, you i used to see on cnn and other things but and it did strike me that how america has not changed really from there's a great deal of new, new age finished roughly's with that viewpoint that what a woman's role is and there's still this argument that you know we should be more progressive and America's not really changed at all in, in that perspective. So that was interesting for me. And then I reached the... Shirley Chisholm. Played by Uzo Aduba. First thing, I was amazed that I hadn't heard of such an important, pivotal character. And secondly, you just couldn't help but feel for this woman, how, how she had risen up through the ranks and how she, she was let down. And then, and, and you know, and you just couldn't... Whatever the era was, it just felt so relatable, so easy to connect with. And I think the only flaw of Mrs. America, and I remember reviewers saying this at the time, is surely this whole show could have been about that character and I would have been just as engaged and enthralled. Uh, um, yeah. Because because the flaw of it is 
yes, she's mingling around with the others in the background and they do try and give other people time, but I just feel like they missed a trick by focusing so much on all these other characters that I was perhaps less interested in because I, I was really amazed that I hadn't heard about this prominent black woman who was running for vice president. How could this not be something I would know about? And I just found her performance just wonderful. Uh, her few conversations with her husband where she's talking about this is never going to happen and it really shone a different light on the show for me. I think the only downside to it is I know that she's not probably, because of the format, not prominent in the rest of it. And I uh, think that's a, that's a mistake. And I think for me as well, any of these women could have anchored their own series. I think, mm. I don't, I, I suppose my question is, are you going to keep watching it? I would need your sort of guidance on that. Mm. I mean, if I, if I really felt disconnected to share it. Yeah, well, I've, I think, I've got yeah. an, an irrational dislike of Tracy Ullman. I don't know where that comes from. I mean, she I've does have that. her own episode. I think it's the next episode, which is her, you know, basically each of these women get their own episode. So yeah. what, the next episode is Tracy Ullman, and yeah. then it's Aaron Graynor, and then it's Elizabeth Banks, and then it's Margot Martindale. Martindale. So each, each, each of these women get their own episode. The person who suffers the most in terms of this format where it's, one character per episode unless you're Philly Schlafly is uh, Elizabeth Banks I found her character really interesting because she's the only Republican in this group of, of women who are mm. all Democrats and even mm. in her own episode she doesn't get a great deal to do and I think you know I enjoyed it from there I found the first episode and to a lesser extent the second episode a bit of a slog each subsequent episode i found quite easy to watch right. i enjoyed these stories but i was frustrated that i didn't get to spend more time with each character you know in the final episode as they often do with these based on the true story uh, things they show you footage of these people and actually how similar most of them look like uh, margot martindale looks a lot like um Bella Asberg, I think, is her character, um, this congresswoman. I, I think it's an excellent cast. Sarah Paulson, as well, as she sort of... She's really Phyllis good. I'm a peripheral. peripheral. There, she's really good. There's an episode where Phyllis sends some of her acolytes, if you will, to the first National Women's Conference that is held. And actually, Sarah Paulson's character has this light bulb moment where it's like well why are we protesting this it makes her sort of shun away from phyllis's way of thinking and it it's interesting in the way i i, I think another criticism as you say is that we shouldn't have a working knowledge of american politics because they're mm. it's in the 1970s because the sort of overhaul of you know you go from nixon to ford to carter to reagan and each one has their idea about how they should, how they can monopolise these women for their own good. And, you know, they do get used to an extent by the... And I think that is the story of most of these episodes, as we found with Shirley and, and Gloria Steinem sort of pushing for the abortion bill, isn't it? That's her big thing. I can't, I can't really put my finger on, though why both of us found that first episode quite a barrier to entry and we were mm. both willing to give up. I think it was, so... very, it was very one-sided, wasn't it? It's mm. like, we need to establish that, you know, Kate Blanchett here is the star, you know, she's this big name. 
we've managed to get her onto TV. And I do, I think I agree with you more when it's a film star being the lead of it, rather than like a filmmaker being mm. behind this. And I think it has got that anchor of, you know, this is Phyllis trying to stop this bill from getting ratified. That's the through line, I suppose, is is the ERA going to be ratified? That's the, yeah. that's the, that's the main story. That's, that's the main hook. Every time these women come up against Phyllis, and actually the through line is, you know, Phyllis saying, I listen to my husband, I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home mum, my priority is my children, and actually all of those things she says throughout the course of the 10 years are wrong. Uh, you know, there are small plot lines about for example her her oldest son being led astray and i think that could have had more time devoted to it her daughter who is like phyllis jr but actually changes her name because she's embarrassed by her mum's politics john slattery's character fred he becomes more maligned he gets moved laterally at work and actually becomes like phyllis's husband i mean there are bits that i really like it was almost hampered by its structure and it being so interesting at times that there was almost too much to cover in the, you know, nine episodes that it's got. There is enough in there I think you would enjoy for you to continue. Okay. And I think the episodes are, I think the, the, the episodes coming up are shorter as well. And, and I think the tone is snappier. And, and I think you do, yeah. If you enjoyed the, the third episode, I think that's more indicative of what the rest of the series is. So, yeah. Mrs. America is all there on the iPlayer uh, now for you to watch. If you'd like to interact with us, you can do that various ways. The first thing we'd ask you is to subscribe to us, not only here, but on YouTube, where our individual reviews are. Just search The Custard TV. We would love, 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 love a review from you on Apple Podcasts. Just help spread the word. If you enjoy us, if you think I'm a grumpy old man, whatever your views... Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We also have an email address, custardtvreviews at gmail.com. We have a Twitter devoted to the pod, that's at custardtvpod. And Matt and I are there individually. I'm at TV, and Matt is at Matt's TV Bites. Uh, what I would say as well, and I did put this up on the podcast Twitter, and I don't think I've had any responses yet. We're still looking for a new rewind. Um... I need to retweet that. Yes. Um, I didn't yeah. Should we say what we're doing next week? Because we might we might get some feedback on it if we can if we say it now. Yes. So next week, <coughs> we're just going to be coughing for forty five minutes. Clearly. <coughs> I'm oh, fine. As, yeah. Are you all right? I'm fine. No need to call anybody or test anything. Next week. <laughs> I did like that silence. That was not reassuring. <laughs> Next week, Matt's grown me down and we will be watching episodes of Netflix's mega hit, The Crown. We have decided, we don't know if this is smart, but this is what we've decided, to watch the first episode of each series and a couple from the current fourth series, which people are both raving about and not happy about and somewhat in equal measure yeah, so people are happy about and some people read or write for the daily mail that's what we're doing next week we were supposed to be recording this podcast yesterday and for whatever reason we couldn't i put this on for my mum she'd never seen it she said everyone talks about the crown i'm never allowed to see it that was a perfect impression because you don't know what she sounds like but um, mum. no i meant the wider podcast listenership <laughs> I, was, I know it's only you i'm talking to now but there will be people listening hopefully later she got them out 
I think, 35 minutes into episode one. She goes, it's just too slow. I don't... I know who all these people are, but I'm just not engaged, so... It's okay. not just me. Do you think that... Oh, we'll talk about this next week. Let's just is say it... what my preconceptions are yeah. before we go in. Okay. My preconceptions is, I don't know why this is such a phenomenon, because... As with all factual dramas, and we like, you know, I love Chernobyl, and we like the Salisbury poisonings and all that. But with this, majority of us know the basics of the royals. We know the timelines of things, and the bits we don't know are the written dialogue, which we don't know whether to take seriously or not, or whether it's just something Peter Morgan has had to cook up to make, you know, an interesting drama. I don't know whether people like it because they think it's based in reality and they think all oh, that's scandalous. Or whether they just like the setting and the pretty ball gowns and the the royal, you know, comes and goings. But that's my preconception going in. And had you not asked to watch it and basically begged? For me, I've not been really that bothered about it. But I'm intrigued to see what my opinion will be and whether that will change from series to series better because we're going to do a whole podcast on i yeah no i'm interested to see how they do it and and what what they do and what what we like and what we don't like and you you you're not generally a fan of costume dramas no as a whole can you just and and again we'll end it here but can you explain why that is why that genre does not appeal to you because to me it just feels like it's uh all the problems and issues are just so inconsequential and there's also that element of sort of fantasy that you just cannot aspire to that you know no it's a world that none of us can aspire to so it 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 all seems a bit funny like for example downton never appealed to you no it never interested me no. no and i can i completely get why people lose themselves in it but it's just not a type of thing i'd like to watch so enjoy that next week, folks. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is going to be fair and balanced. Uh, join us then, then. Bye. See ya. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.